You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. What a beautiful day. Think we could squeeze in 36? No, let's see. Plague? Yeah, probably so. I mean, it is 68 degrees. I can't see a cloud out of my small window here. But it's absolutely a beauty day, beautiful day, and by golly, we deserve it. Because uh, we haven't had the best of weather here over the last couple of weeks, but it is a dandy day in Birmingham, which is where our studios are but also at our affiliates in the Anniston Gaston area and, of course, over in Tuscaloosa. As previously mentioned, this is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Harris. Uh, as I was just talking to Josh Smith, our producer here at Crawford in Birmingham, this is what you typically call a slow day in sports. So what I have been, since I've been doing this a while, what you do on slow days is you urge people First time, get on the phone. Let's take some calls at uh, 205-342-9904. That's 342-9904. Area code is 205. And let's talk about some of those things. All right. Up on the board. Alabama OCDC. What's the latest you've heard, Josh? You got anything in there? Who's going to be the next defensive coordinator at the University of Alabama The Tide Nation wants Jeremy Pruitt. Right there as well. But if we, I'm not saying D'Amico would come back. But if we could get D'Amico Ryan to come back into Tuscaloosa, I think he'd be a huge get too. Yeah, I just, I worry about the baggage. I know Alabama will absolutely look over that situation, into that situation, and make sure it's okay. But a lot of people want Jeremy Pruitt. It's it's always interesting to me, and, and this is kind of true with uh, Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze and with Jeremy Pruitt, that less than 20 years ago, these guys were in high school. Well, excuse me, they were coaching high school. They weren't in high school. But it, just to show you that that trend has changed a lot over the years. Lars Anderson is at Tide 100.9, our studios in Tuscaloosa. Lars... Now that you're there and you're inside the city limits, you know and can tell us who the next two coordinators are at the University of Alabama. <laughs> and I, I say that, I say that uh, without official knowledge that O'Brien is gone. Is that official yet? No, it, it, it's not. It seems to be taken as an article of faith by all of Alabama fans that O'Brien is going to be moving on to the NFL. And the team that he's linked with the most is the um, the the Patriots, of course, which is where he had so much success as an offensive coordinator. But um, you know, as of now, he's still he's still at Alabama. You got to wonder what what the Patriots, if in fact they do want to hire Bill O'Brien, what the holdup is. And uh, you know, uh, I I can't answer that. I will say I, I was surprised. 
Um, actually, not surprised, but very disappointed in the news this morning, which uh, was broke by uh, Rick Stroud, who's an outstanding reporter at the Tampa Bay Times, that uh, Byron Leftwich, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, has indeed been following or has indeed been fired uh, following an eight and nine regular season and a wild card loss to Dallas and um, uh, Stroud is also reporting that as many as five offensive assistants and two on defense are expected to be let go and it's like hey this is a team that yeah they, they had a losing record but you know what they won their division and they got to the playoffs with a 45 year old quarterback who absolutely cannot move in the pocket. <laughs> Talk about having stone feet. Uh, that is Tom Brady. And you look at the quarterbacks who are still alive uh, in the playoffs, all of them are mobile, you know, and uh, it just limits what you can do offensively. And uh, on a personal note, you know, I, I got to know Byron really well. Uh, while doing two separate books with with Bruce Arians and and, and BA is the one that brought Leftwich uh, to the Arizona Cardinals when Bruce was the head coach and uh, brought him in as an intern and Leftwich was uh, you know enjoying a happy life post retirement um he he was uh getting his golf game down I think he was uh, nearing to be a scratch golfer and uh, really wasn't just enjoying his time away but bruce when bruce was the offensive coordinator with the steelers uh left which was the backup for several years to uh, big ben and and bruce saw how left which saw the game and it was left which who was the offensive coordinator when tampa bay won the super bowl less than two years ago and suddenly he can't coach. And, and remember after the Super Bowl, we were talking about Leftwich uh, as a guy who is going to be a head coach very, very soon. And now he's out of a job. And it just it just reinforces Christian to me what Nick Saban has said many, many times. It's not the jockey. It's the horses. And, uh, and the Tampa offense just didn't have the horses this year. Yeah, and if I'm reading this right, I think they were last in rushing yards. Um, so I think that was a big issue. I know Tom was passing for, it seemed like a record number of attempts at the age of 45. Um, we had 66 attempts in the playoff game or yeah. something? Yeah, so I think it was a little early to get rid of uh, Byron Left, which I thought, you know, again, I don't understand when teams fire a guy who contributes to like a Super Bowl or a national championship a year or two after the success because obviously they were good enough to get it done in that season mm-hmm. um i just i feel like sometimes we just why does we there, fire guys prematurely why does there always have to be a fall guy that's yeah, part of the game know, the, all, the offensive <laughs> coordinator for the chargers he it's, gets it, fired it, i was about to say it's, the coordinator is almost always the main guy you know yeah head coaches sure but i feel like coordinators uh specifically 
are targets when it comes to you know pointing a finger at hey who's responsible for some of these shortcomings and you know these the coaches they spend so much time together uh you know the the cliche is they spend more time together than they do with their wives and their families and but the thing is the reason uh, phrases like that are cliches is because they're true mm-hmm. um and it, it, it's got to be hard just on a personal level for Todd Bowles to to fire Leftwich wouldn't you think I mean wouldn't that be hard to call Bron did he have to to keep his job uh, that I don't know. Uh, you would like to think ownership would let uh, the Glazers would let let or would let uh, Todd Bowles make up his own mind. But just on a personal level, Christian, I mean, I, I don't know if you ever were a part of anything like this where uh, a coordinator lost their job, but uh, or even a position coach. Um, it's just got to be hard to do again on a, on a personal level because you spend so much time with these coaches. Yeah, and I think if you look at Coach Saban, I think he's a testament to that of, of how difficult that is. Because again, we we almost never see, and I could be wrong, but it it appears that he never fires anyone. It's almost as if he kind of encourages encourages their departure, or they 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 part, they part ways. But it's almost as if they always have a landing spot uh, as smooth, soon as they're done. It's a smooth by, transition. Yeah, smooth by Saban and phone calls, right? Right, and, right. And, 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 and yes. Yeah. And, and he's a guy who's obviously, you know, you know, very serious, very businesslike. And if, if, it, if it is where he's taking that approach where he's almost trying to do it in the best way possible, I'm sure it's hard. If it's hard for him to do it, I'm sure it's hard for anybody to do it. Is what I'm getting at. Were you Were you playing at Alabama when Brian Dable was the head, uh, was the offensive coordinator? Yeah, we won. Uh, he was a coordinator in 2017 when we won second and 26. Oh, okay. So, yep. are, are you? Okay, so I lived in New York for like 17 years. Mm-hmm. I have not seen this city embrace a coach the way they are, Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised by that? Not really, um, just because I saw how he attacked each and every day. Um, his work ethic um, speaks for itself. But not only that, you know, he's very passionate about the game, and he's also a very smart coach. He does a great job putting his guys in positions to make plays. Uh, he maximizes the potential of a lot of his guys. Um, you know, look at you know Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley; those guys are playing great. And even on the defensive side of the ball, you know, because he's a head coach, um, you just look at the attitude of that team. You know, they're playing with a lot of intensity, a lot of passion. You know, they got guys like um, Xavier McKinney who played here, who's a young guy. You know, he's only in maybe his third year in the NFL, but has stepped up tremendously as a leader. And a lot of that is coming from the leadership of, of Dabble. If you listen to his interviews and just how he approaches the game and um, you know how he commands the team, um, you can just see they, they take on the spirit of him. Um, they play with a lot of attitude and toughness and um you know, he might have had that before he came to Alabama, but I'm sure he got some of that from, you know, working under Coach Saban. And it seems that he's brought that to New York with him. And, and I think it's it's helped him ultimately have success with the New York Giants. Do you think he has uh, been a big factor in the sort of rapid development of Daniel Jones? I think so. You know, I, I saw how he helped develop the, the guys we had here. You know, again, he worked with guys like Tua and Jalen when they were here. Um, so I wouldn't doubt that he's a, a major contributor to to, Jan, to Daniel Jones' success. Even though I will say I've always thought Daniel Jones um, is a pretty solid quarterback. You know, I know he 
kind of up and down sometimes, but he's talented. The guy has talent, and uh, I think it just sometimes takes the right guy to, uh, to work with some of these players to ultimately get the most out of their potential. And he's another guy that uh, I believe the fifth-year option was not picked up by the team, and now the team is going to have to pay a king's ransom to keep him. That's the gamble they take when, you know, they're making that gamble when they, they choose not to pick up these options. But you know, sometimes it works out and others it doesn't. Daniel Jones, Matt, I think Daniel Jones is one of the uh, more enjoyable quarterbacks to watch. And he, I think he's somebody wor- worth rooting for because uh, it's like he lost the New York fan base. And now he absolutely has won over the New York fan base. And that is virtually impossible to do. I rushed uh, this yesterday. Uh, I like him because he's a Cutcliffe guy. Yeah. And David Cutcliffe is a, is a Birmingham guy. I like all of that. Hey, uh, top 10 world sports venues. Y'all think about this. Think about that topic during the break because it will come, it will come back home to roost in a minute. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Did you know you can get your prescriptions for less at your local pharmacy? You can with GoodRx. It's the free app that can save you money on your medications. Just search for your prescription. Choose the pharmacy. Tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 58. Saturday, clouds move in, a chance of rain by afternoon, the high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. There are different publications, websites that do these polls and these surveys, and the most attended, the best. This particular article comes from TripAdvisor, and their description is the most beautiful and stunning. Okay, they're, they're the words that qualify you for this top ten list. The top ten venues in the world okay so i mean this is so subjective but you know it's a sunny thursday afternoon in alabama so we're just kind of kicking the soccer ball around before i give you the list and talk about it i want to ask christian and i want to ask lars since um you guys have seen quite a few venues as have i uh christian what's the cool what's well let me use their words uh beautiful and or stunning venue. What what immediately comes to mind for you? And we're going all sports, right? It's just not just football. Yeah, because uh, several of these are uh, are are not. Yes. Yeah, so the answer is simply yes. Um, you can pick any sport. Well, I would say again that SoFi Stadium. I haven't been there personally, but just seeing it, I feel yeah. like every time I look at it, it just it's it's, it's astonishing. It's it's nuts. I'll never forget the uh, first time I walked into Madison Square Garden in mm-hmm. uh, New York, and it's just uh, it's so special. Um, I once saw a Larry Holmes fight. Uh, it, was a, it was a heavyweight fight, and I, and I forget who. It was near the end of Holmes's career. 
but uh, I've often argued, Matt, that the most intense moments in sports actually happen before the sporting event itself. And there is nothing more intense than two heavyweights walking into walking toward the ring about ready just to pound the crap out of each other <laughs> with the crowd, this bloodthirsty crowd, you know, it's like uh, at, at, the, at, at the Roman Coliseum. Yeah, I was about to say the Coliseum. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I've been there too. It, that, it's still cool to see, to see the remains of the Roman Coliseum. But uh, Madison Square Garden is really special. Uh, Yankee Stadium, of course, is, is really special. Um, I've never played Pebble Beach I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I, I've never been to St. Andrews for uh, golf, but um, those are those are some of mine. How, how about you? The the places you have been throughout the throughout your long uh, career of covering sports. Uh, what what are some of the, your favorites? Well, uh, boy, I'm glad you brought up golf. Because uh, Augusta is a pretty special place. Yeah, I have uh, been there. Yeah, that, I mean, that is magic. And, yeah. and it's uh, but uh, mine would be West Point, uh, and it's there. because, of yeah. course, it is a beautiful venue because it's way up high in the mountains, looking over Hudson, the Hudson River. I mean, it was, it was, it's a fort for a reason because it was protecting our country. So George uh, Washington. But there's also the, the yes, yeah. <laughs> But there's also the emotion of it, too. And I think if um, that would be true to a certain extent with Madison Square Garden because it is often referred to as the greatest venue in the world uh, because so many great things have happened there. But uh, now I would say West Point, uh, home of the uh, Army cadets, uh, that that was a really, really cool one. But uh, bringing it back home, and this is not in the top ten list, um, I like Talladega. Of course, I'm you know I'm I'm very very partial to that. This is the biggest but baddest I bring this up. in the world. Two point six six. It's more than it's more than a race. It's Talladega. <laughs> um, but two venues from our state made the top ten. Do you guys want to take a shot at, at which ones? Mm, Bryant Denny and Ding 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 Ding. Jordan Hare. <laughs> is that how you say it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The yeah, second. that's the second one. It is Jordan Hare. Really? Uh, both Wait, Alabama and Auburn stadiums made this list. They were 8 and 10, by the way. Bryant Denny was 8th, and Jordan Hare Stadium was 10th. Wait, that's top 10 venues in all of sports? In the world. Nah, that, mm. I don't know about that list, Matt. Is Wembley Stadium on the? Oh, on I, the list? I didn't write it. Why don't you give? Why don't you give us uh, the list? Give, give we, a, we, give Wembley. Us, you know, give us like the top. It's, it's top three. I'm really curious. Uh, now. Okay. Uh, I may blow the pronunciation of this. It's a Sigrila a Sigrila Stadium. It's a cricket field in Sri Lanka. How's that, guys? <laughs> Y'all been there? No, absolutely not. <laughs> have, you, have you guys ever been to a cricket match? No, I don't even think I've watched one. I might have seen a clip on. Actually, I've seen a clip on ESPN a couple it's a times. Big, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Really? I don't understand the rules. Are cricket games are <laughs> ones that can last days. Yes. Well, uh, now I'm I'm cool with that. All right, now number two 
is Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado, the home of now Deion Sanders Buffalo. All right, I've been there several times. I've never times. been there. I've I been, can imagine it's beautiful. I've been there several times, and that's simply because of the backdrop of the Rocky Mountains because you're in the foothills of the Rockies there in Boulder, but in no way, shape, or form is that a interesting stadium i mean it's uh the the crowd is not even really uh the, the front row seats aren't even that close to the field um i i remember uh Tom Osborne of Nebraska, market twelve twenty three, uh, nearly getting run over by Ralphie the Buffalo um, one year. Yeah, <laughs> um, but Ralphie. That, I what can't, I, whoever made this list does not know what they're talking about. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, that. Well, you know, the all of cool, these though. lists. The backdrop is very cool. Yeah, I, I've never been there, but the pictures, the aerial shots that they keep posting now that Dion's there. I've seen some of the social media stuff. Those that is a pretty cool view. If yes. you're playing football and be able to see the mountains like that, that that is cool. I will say that, but yes. I, I don't know. I've never been there in person. Like you, um, I think the stadium at University of what Washington. What y'all think about the blue turf? The blue, blue turf. turf. Blue yeah. turf. I didn't mean to cut you off, Lar. Boise, Idaho. Yeah. So growing up there, and we y'all talking about Colorado, it had very similar scenery. So just what were y'all th- just seeing the blue turf? I know a lot. Of, it got a lot of hate, but growing up, that's what we got to see all the time. Yeah, it's terrible. I found it man. distracting. I, I, I hate, <laughs> hate to break it to you, but it, it's it, terrible. Uh, it's just distracting. Yeah, and not uh, a fan. You, yeah, that, but that was half the point of it. That's the half the point of it. Well, they achieved their goal if they uh, <laughs> meant to create a venue that's distracting, ugly. Um, it is that's a cool area, though. That They've got that little that little creek and a river that runs right behind one of the end zones. And, uh, of course, Idaho is beautiful. But, you know, it's like I said at the very top of this topic. They're so subjective. And this particular top ten list is the world's most stunning sports venues, which I guess when you say venue, a place like Colorado would be very accepted as one of the yeah. top ten. But that being said... And I love Tuscaloosa and Auburn, but is that venue as far as your skyline and the surroundings? Is is that much better than Tiger Stadium and Baton Rouge? I don't mm, know. No. Let me uh, let me kill this topic before it kills this show. <laughs> uh, the uh, fourth is uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah. I think again that's based on what surrounds it, not the actual structure. Um. Here's another one I might have to look to to pronounce. Rejica. That's uh, in Croatia. There's a stadium, Cantrida. Hmm. That's a Tony Orlando. I've, I've been to Croatia, but I've not been to that stadium. Where have you not been, Lars? <laughs> I've never been to Alaska. That is like number really? one of my on, on the list of places I want to go is uh, right now Alaska. And I've also never Don't been near the polar to, bear. Never been to Australia. <laughs> Um and I haven't been to Thailand, where it, it appears that nice. Cliff Kingsbury seems to be having a really good time right now in <laughs> Thailand. If you follow uh, Instagram or social media, you yeah, might, you might want to be careful out there, though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very careful. Yeah, you know it's a, yeah, it's a little uh, different to travel abroad than <laughs> it's uh it was even three or four years ago. All right, Bush Stadium, the Cardinals with the Ark and the River, all that in St. Louis. That's fifth. The Rolls Bowl in Pasadena. And the next, Sanford Stadium in Athens. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm really I don't know about this list. Back and forth. <laughs> yeah. This list. Uh, TripAdvisor, so it's their list. We should bank up our own. <laughs> I okay. Think, uh, I think uh, the person who made up this list uh, doesn't really know very much about sports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, With all due respect. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. All right, Brian Dean Stadium is eight. Here's one. The float at Marina Bay in Singapore. Haven't that was ninth. There. And uh, tenth was Jordan Hare Stadium. Honorable mention, and we will bury this wonderful topic. Uh, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium in Norman. Dodger Stadium, Los Angeles. Oklahoma FNB Stadium? FNB Stadium. <laughs> I mean, the, the Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma is... As flat as a pancake, like it, 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 there's nothing there but wind and prairie. I, I don't understand. Isn't that the same that, thing with Lincoln, Nebraska? No, we actually have rolling hills, like and 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 some and and corn, uh, corn knee high by the Fourth of July. Those of <laughs> you who are from the Midwest know what that means. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think the prairie is is, is beautiful. But I've been to Norman, Oklahoma several times, and uh, there is just, like, nothing around that stadium. And there's no beautiful backdrop or anything. I don't even think it's fully enclosed. Uh, it, and it's it's and always, it's no always like, 107 stadium. degrees there, too. No protective. Anyway. Uh, protective stadium. Protective stadium, not made to lose. Um, just to round this out, uh, the FNB Stadium in... Johannesburg, uh, Primastata International Cricket Stadium, another one in Sri Lanka, then Century Link Field in Seattle. Huh? Huh? All right, you guys get to pick the next topic since I absolutely <laughs> bombed. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. You might get wireless data everywhere. But do you have to use it all the time? If that's not really you, this track phone, you can get the same. Hey, you're listening to. Big Noon Sports. By the way, website, BigNoonSports.com. Follow us on Twitter at, at Big Noon Sports. Uh, we also, you know, as we build the show, starting to take calls and, and so forth. Our number, uh, if you'd like to join us, is 205-342-9904. That being said, let's go to the phones. Carson, welcome to Big Noon Sports. Appreciate you dialing us up. What's going on, guys? Doing great. Enjoying the day, man. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful out here, man. Uh, I was going to ask y'all, uh, you know, said you bombed the last uh, the last questionnaire thing. When was the last time y'all had a good grilled cheese? A good grilled cheese. Oh, man. Uh, hmm. uh, I can lead this off, folks, okay. because you can ask my children – and members of my family, it's one of the few things I can actually do very well. I make an unbelievable grilled cheese. But as far as some place to go, 
There's a little place in Hoover called Green Valley Drugstore, and it's awesome. What about you guys in Tuscaloosa? I make my own, right? You just uh, slap some butter on two pieces of bread, put two pieces of uh, Velveeta in the in the middle of it, and you put it on a uh, a frying pan, and uh, and then you, you you cook it a little bit, and you flip it. And then you have a really great snack at three in the morning. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a huge grilled cheese fan. I really don't like grilled cheese unless I add like, you know, like deli meat to it. And it's really a grilled sandwich at that point. So I don't know if that counts. But at the, the football complex, they used to always have a grilled cheese bar like once a week. And I would, you know, load Ooh. it with a uh, fried egg, put bacon on there, avocado, uh, tomato. So it, it really I don't think that counts. But that's that's my definition of grilled cheese. And if we're talking about that, oh, it yeah. darn sure sounds. We have a fine <laughs> it sounds good. In town called Cheese Louise that actually has a food truck that drives around downtown and campus that will serve you a very very bougie grilled cheese sandwich for fourteen dollars. Fourteen. Oh no. Fourteen dollars at a food truck. <laughs> what? Well, I guess what you do? Pay do? Paying the note on the truck. <laughs> uh, Carson, you brought it up. Where's When's the last time you had a really good one, and from where? Man, I tell you, uh, it's probably been a couple weeks, and right in my own kitchen, just like one of you guys said, yeah. you know, slap some butter on it, throw it in the pan, maybe throw some uh, some deli ham on it, which that you know defeats the purpose of it being a grilled cheese, but uh, you know. Sometimes you just got to doctor things up in life. You know, got to put makeup on a pig and make it just make it good. <laughs> That's right. You know, interestingly, Matt, I, I can't get my kids to eat grilled cheese. I, I don't understand. I mean, you know, they're five, five, and seven, and it's just like they will not eat my grilled cheese sandwiches. What they will eat every meal is uh, macaroni and cheese. Uh, they like it out of, yeah. just, uh, out of the microwave. Well, how about? How about we put some mac and cheese on the sandwich? Now that's a good idea. I may try that. I may. Try I've that seen tomorrow. pictures of maybe that. that. That's maybe that's our dinner tomorrow. You just gave me a great idea. I appreciate that, uh, Carson. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get my kids to go for that. What would you call that? He, uh, hey, Carson. Uh, I want you to give uh, sandwich. <laughs> give your number to our producers because next slow day we're calling you. Good one. We just did five minutes on grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> So Carson's go. Grilled Mac. There you go. Yeah. Have a great day, Carson. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Again, if you'd like to join us, 205-342-9904. And obviously, uh, the last 30 minutes of this show, just about anything within reason is a topic for today's show. What do you guys got down there at Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa? Well, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, of all the remaining quarterbacks in the NFL playoffs, who, if you were starting a franchise, who would you want to start the franchise with? And uh, I think I know your answer. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, I think I'm, we know your answer. I, uh, but, but, but I want you to you know, elaborate on that. Yeah. But I, I'll go, I'll, I'll go with the guy who uh, got to the Super Bowl last year and is three and zero against Patrick Mahomes. No other quarterback in the league is three and zero against Patrick Mahomes, and he's about to go four and zero against Patrick Mahomes next week in the AFC Championship game, mm. and that would be Joe Burrow. 
Um, and 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 look, Zach. I, I'm sure every coach says this, but Zach Taylor, he, he says it almost every day that uh, I wouldn't trade oh, Zach right. Burrow for a single a single player for any for any other player in the league. And and Burrow recently came out and said that he wants to finish his career in Cincinnati, and he wants to finish his career with Zach Taylor. And he also said he wants to uh, finish his career with uh, T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase. So would that mean that Burrow would be willing to take a little less money or structure his contract in a way that would allow the Bengals to keep the, the young core of players they have together? I think so. But, uh, yeah, I, I would go with Burrow. Fair enough. No, no that's a great answer. I mean, I, 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 I feel like you can't go wrong with the majority of these quarterbacks, whether you go Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, or my pick would be Patrick Mahomes just because he just he has that it factor. And I know you just gave us the record, sure. But it just if you watch him, he just makes things happen. And uh, he kind of has that, that Bryce Young kind of magician ability of, of – you know, making plays um, when it appears that nothing else can be done. Uh, he can he can uh, be elusive. Um, I, I just really like uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I, I think he's a, a good leader, and he's he's a proven winner. Um, you know, MVP, Super Bowl winner. So I'm I mean, going I, with Patrick Mahomes. I, I like Josh. The throws like that Josh, Josh the too, throws though. that Josh Allen can make it just leave you absolutely stunned how strong and accurate his arm is. And, you know, Bruce Arians told me a long time ago that you once a quarterback reaches about age 21, 22, you're either accurate or you're not. But I think an outlier is is um, is Josh Allen, because mm-hmm. his first year to uh, first two year or two you in the league, he was really inaccurate on what looked like pretty simple throws. And now he's one of the most accurate uh, uh, passers in the league. And especially the deep balls that he throws, you know, off his back foot, winging at 70 yards just effortlessly. And plus, he's just a giant human being Big who guy. can run. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, I think his his running ability is underrated. If you watch him, I mean, he's athletic enough to make plays with his legs. And like you said, with that size, uh, he just has sort of like the measurables, the arm strength, now the accuracy, the running ability. Again, you can't go wrong with really any of these guys, yeah, I feel and, like. And I think, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but uh, his running ability uh, against Cincinnati on Sunday could prove to be the difference because uh, the forecast is for snow. Uh, most of the guys in Cincinnati, they've never played in snow before because uh, a mm-hmm. bunch of them are from the SEC, right? <laughs> and uh, and like Jamar Chase never played in snow. I don't think T. Higgins ever played in snow. Burrow maybe played in snow once when he was in high school in Ohio. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess every quarterback says they'd rather play in snow than rain, right? right? Like rain and wind are the, are the worst things for a quarterback. And I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I think Josh Allen's ability to run could be the difference in that game, unfortunately. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I'm taking Brock Purdy. <laughs> okay. Uh, I tell you one thing. It's it's a great question because all these guys are good. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, you know, he, he's no – I mean, he's no slouch. Right. Then you got Mahomes. Uh, I really like Daniel Jones is coming on. Uh, nobody has mentioned a guy named Jalen Hurts, yeah. who may be the MVP. Uh, we have talked about um, Burrow and Josh Allen, which, by the way, Josh Allen will be my selection here. Then you got Dak Prescott, who I don't think anybody's picking, 
and probably the same thing with um, Brock Purdy. So it's a pretty good topic. Interestingly, speaking I, of quarterback, probably, probably the best team remaining is the one who probably has the worst quarterback, and that's Brock Purdy. And I, I think San Francisco, uh, if I had to pick one team right now to be the favorite to win the uh, Super Bowl, it would be San Francisco. Lars, would you have made that pick before they made the trade? No. It, it, and if they yeah. end up winning the Super Bowl, I think that trade will go down as is one of the five best in NFL history. Kristen, didn't you say earlier you thought it was the best midseason trade? At, at least, least in your least, life, I was about to say, at least you know from what I've seen. Again, y'all have probably uh, way more experience and, and have seen um, countless trades and whatnot. But from my view and my experience playing with Christian McCaffrey, um, just knowing his skill set, you know, I used to practice against him every day, um, and, and knowing how he fits in that San Francisco offense with the rest of the guys that they have, and then you add that stellar defense that they have. I think it was what, phenomenal. What can you tell us about McCaffrey maybe that the average fan doesn't see on the field? He he spends so much so many resources on his body and his um in his performance um that people don't see. I mean, this guy spends probably if if not thousands, or probably almost a million dollars on his body every single season and he spends so many hours in the training room in the weight room doing every type of um, workout and, 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 and stretch and, and plyometrics, everything, yoga, every single thing that he can do to get an advantage to have his body in pristine condition. So, I know people think he's a little injury riddled, but if, if you only knew his work ethic and how much time and effort and, and f- uh, money that he puts into his body, so we're it's talking amazing. like personal chef, personal oh, personal, masseuse. personal chef, personal masseuse. You know, uh, specific stretch routines on specific days. I mean, this guy he does everything he can to get every single advantage, and, and you see it pay off. That's why he's such a talented football player. Yeah, he's really, really good. Man, he is so fun to watch. Hey, Lars, put this kind of in the back. In in, in our lifetime, uh, who does he remind you of? When we get back, we'll take Steve's call on Big News Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. With Taco Casa, you know, it's not really fast food because it's made fresh every day in the store. The quality hasn't changed. The consistency hasn't changed because we haven't changed. Tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 58. Saturday, clouds move in, a chance of rain by afternoon, the high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Anderson, Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Joe Josh, Hayden. The gang is all here on this gorgeous Thursday afternoon in the state of Alabama. Appreciate you listening and calling. Steve has done that at 205-342-9904. What's up, Steve? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. How you doing? How's it? How's everybody doing today? Good, good, wonderful. I'm going to give you the the biggest compliment I I can possibly give anybody. 
you guys give me a reason uh, to get up before noon out of bed. So, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really, let's, uh, let's make, let's make that the slogan of our show. The reason to get up before noon. Other than you guys, there's, there's absolutely no reason for me to get out of bed before noon. So I, I, I don't know if that's Boy, good or bad, I, but, but I tell you to do enjoy, enjoy your show. That, oh, thank you very Steve, much. Steve, that's just classic <laughs> stuff right there. What's on your mind? Listen, uh, and you may, you may have already brought him up and, and when I was um, I, walking through the rooms and I got you on the and is, is it not let me, let me, I, this is probably going to be too harsh, but it's almost I know he has, I know he's not had a, a, a great cast of players around him but is Tom Brady not ready? Is is, is he is he ready to go? Do we need him to leave? Well, mm. yeah. he didn't. Uh, so we, we we talked about this yesterday. Yeah, we talked to Ira Kaufman. Oh, uh, yeah, we, it's okay though. It's a, it's a still a great topic. Um, we we talked to a, a Tampa Bay beat writer yesterday. And he was uh, there post game when Tom, you know, thanked the media for for uh, covering him all the years, and it certainly sounded like a farewell speech, at least to Tampa. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I d- I do not think he will be back in Tampa next year. Um, the the possible landing spots would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, maybe the New York Jets. I mean, the Jets are actually a very talented team, mm-hmm. um, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I think the issue with Brady uh, and Christian, I'll, I'll go to you. It's just his lack of mobility, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and he just uh, can't avoid the rush. Like he he was able. He's never been the most mobile guy, right? But he just was not able to avoid the rush this year like he has in seasons past. And I think it's because Father Time has caught up with him. Yeah, and that, that me and my dad talked about this on, on our podcast, and that's what he was saying. He said his biggest yeah. issue, if you, if you listen to all the experts, you know, they're down on the field, they're watching Tom throw before the game. Tom still has zip on the ball. Tom still has accuracy. He can still throw it deep. Yeah. It, it, that's not the issue. I, I mean, know that they they've recently uh, Tampa put a radar gun on him, mm-hmm. and he's he's throwing with the same velocity as he always has. Right, and and so that's not the problem. I mean, you you are spot on. It's just that he can't move. He's a we call them sitting ducks. You know, as a pass rusher, we love playing guys like that because quarterbacks have a spot. Right, we always mm-hmm. each each quarterback has a different spot that they drop to. A guy like him, he's going to have a deeper deeper spot because he's a pocket passer, and then he's not going to be able to really get off of that spot. So we just had to get to that spot. You know, nowadays when you're facing like Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, those guys are mobile enough to get out that pocket and make him. Tom can't do that. He can't do he that. He can't do it. So he's just no, sitting back well, there waiting that, to get hit. <laughs> well, that's that's what that's. I guess that's what I'm sort of getting to. It, it, is he too old to be mobile? <laughs> Well, I mean, every every other quarterback seems like they can they can move when they want to. Right. Tom has Tom has he's almost a liability when it comes to that. He is, uh, I, I think, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, and I think the biggest issue with him is getting an offensive line that can really protect him. And it's yeah. it's it, it's a matter of does a team really want to invest that much into their offensive line? Do they feel that that return on investment is going to pay off because you're going to have to pay Brady? 
then you're going to have to go and pay some very solid offense linemen. And I'm going to be honest with you. Anybody that, that plays in the league knows this. There are not many good offensive linemen out there. There are very few left tackles who are quality enough left tackles to, to pay a lot yeah. of money and to protect your quarterback. They are hard to find. So it's not just one of those things where, oh, we can draft a, a guy and he's going to step in and be perfect. It is very hard to find a left tackle or anybody for that matter to really, you know, be a, a all pro, pro bowl type player at that position. Offensive line is very hard to come by. So I, I, Tom well. definitely can still play. But it's just a matter of how much do you want to invest? You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things that he's like a Ferrari. You can you can afford the Ferrari, but can you afford the maintenance and everything that comes with it? Yeah, there you go, there you go. He just he just um uh it just this this year more than any of the others that I've watched him play seems like it's been a revolving door with offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched I, I I watched that Dallas the Dallas game and it was almost embarrassing. Right. For for him. Yeah, uh, the, the offensive line is beat up, and uh, I would argue that that Super Bowl winning year, the most important aspect of that team was the offensive line. You mentioned Tristan Wirfs, mm -hmm. great player, great right, player. Right. Yeah. Uh, had Jensen yeah. at center, at Kappa at guard, and uh, and they were able to give Tom the time he needed, but uh, that wasn't the case this year, and that was really on display uh, against the Cowboys. Yeah. Hey, Steve, thanks for your call and the highest compliment in the history of radio. <laughs> the show, worth getting up before noon. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Uh, Coming up next hour, I gotta, Corey Miller. I got cool. to head to campus. Everybody, have a great, uh, have a great day and uh, enjoy the second hour of the show, guys. And find that grilled cheese food truck while you're headed <laughs> I over. will. I'll bring, a, I'll bring one to the studio tomorrow. Research shows listeners prefer a personalized experience. So to help you remember, Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance. We personalize this ad for Amber, who really misses boy bands from the 90s. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on the show worth getting up before noon for. That's just awesome. It's Matt and uh, Kristen Miller and our cast of characters. Lars has literally gone to class. You know what he should do is he should have class outside. Didn't you like that when you were like a little kid and you were in elementary school and just be such a beautiful day? The teacher would go, All right, let's have class outside. I, had that I in don't know a why. Times. <laughs> Really? Yeah. What class was it? Do you remember what the subject was? Yeah, I think it was uh, adapted uh, athletics, and uh, we were doing like some some what do you call it? Like some some not not a project, but we kind of were doing experiment type stuff outside. Uh, so that that was the reason we were outside. But it still was nice though. It gave us a reason to you know get out yeah. of that desk and move around a little bit. And, and I remember the weather was nice. I, I like it. Uh. We're taking a lot of phone calls. It's a slow but beautiful day in the world of sports, so uh, we're urging the phone calls. Corey Miller, Christian's dad, will be along in about uh, 10 minutes. Uh, we'll talk to him right now. It's just kind of, you know, the canvas is blank. Uh, so we'll turn it over to Denon, who has dialed 205-342-9904. Denon, how are you today? I'm doing well, sir. 
This is actually a Christian Miller story. I've actually always wanted to meet. Uh, I met him a lot of times. I used to oh, do photography. He used to do photography and stuff for uh, one of the online services. And I did the videos for uh, the Monday press conferences and this everything. So I got to see Christian a lot of times in the speaking days on the Monday, uh, the Monday press conferences and stuff with Coach Saban. But mm. this is another story cool. I actually wanted to finally talk to him about. It was, a, I think, I don't know what year it was, but it was one of the homes that Coach Saban and Miss Terry built. Oh, yeah. And I was there I was there doing the photography, doing some pictures and stuff while y'all were building, and then we came back on the day that y'all dedicated it. Well, I had to be out front. Miss Terry and a lot of the ladies were doing the flowers and getting things out front, and all of a sudden, Christian pulled up, and I want to say it was Jamie Mosley. Yep, that's Reed. right. Yep. Uh, Miss Terry, <laughs> always because Miss Terry's always really the most super nice lady when I was around talking to her. And I remember that she caught y'all at the truck. I either been fishing, going fishing, or something. I can't remember what it was. Yep. And and she caught y'all outside the door there, and she made you direct, you know, tuck your shirts in, take the take the dips out of your mouth, you know, whatever. And to get ready to go up, and she's going to introduce you to the family. But the one thing that still really stood out to me, the young man that day that was going to be living in the home, I want to say he was in a wheelchair, so they made the, the home wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. And I think that y'all had worked on his room or something and brought some stuff for him to put in his room. And I think as soon as that, that, that young man got there, you and Jamie, just that was it. Y'all were with that kid in his bedroom for like the next 30 minutes. Yeah, and I, I don't know, man. I, I was just, I know you, you may or may not remember it, but I, it just really stood out to me that, man, as soon as y'all got there with that young man, that was y'all's focus. And I, and I always want to say, hey, I appreciate you representing the university. On the field was always a fan, but that day there, that really cemented my fan of you, yourself. And with your dad coming up here in a few minutes, it's a good, it shows who your dad was also, the way you treated these people. Yeah, that, that day there was awesome. I appreciate what you did that day, and I know that young man is probably still remembering it today. Well, I, I appreciate you calling and telling that story. I remember exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so Jamie Moser, he, uh, you know, he's actually coaching here now. He's my best friend. He's my roommate in college. And, uh, yeah, yeah I can't remember if uh, we were coming from fishing or we were probably going fishing, but we, we used to fish a lot when we were in college. But no, nah, that was, um, man, that was one of my favorite things about winning national championships is that we would build another home um, oh, for yeah. someone in Reach need. Out of the community. Yeah, and it, and it, it was it was uh, in partnership with I think the the, the Habitat Home um, that the uh, Coach Saban and, and Miss Terry do, and uh, it always was just so it's yeah it's just it's just so special just being able to um, meet the the people that that will be um, you know living in that home and uh, getting to know them and um, just seeing their faces just seeing all the guys coming and working and. Because um, we've probably had you know twenty plus guys come in um, throughout the whole process and, and guys doing different jobs and just is so cool. It's a great experience, you know. Guys getting into some guys are, are, are working on some framework and some guys are are help building. Like, like you mentioned, they, they had a ramp. Um, I think the son was in a wheelchair. And man, it yeah. was man just definitely special. So I definitely remember that day. And uh, I, I I have those pictures actually. I have a, a great picture oh, yeah. of, of me and Coach Saban uh, hammering something uh, in the backyard we were working on. Um, so, man. Yeah, I think y'all were building a – yeah, I mean, well, the fans don't realize this. Y'all don't just go out there and make appearances and take pictures. I, I remember that day because, uh, well, the day before or so, y'all were – I think Coach Saban was out there. He was swinging a hammer also. Y'all were building like a storage shed or something out back. You got a great memory. Everything. That's right, yeah. Hey, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember a whole lot, but – but I think y'all were actually going fishing because I think Jamie might have been in the back end of the truck trying to figure out how to cover the minnows up so it wouldn't dry out before y'all left. 
yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we still yeah, we were going to get our fishing in, but, yeah, we had to, we had to put our, our time in over at, I think it was the Hamner residence. Uh, Miss Hamner is yeah, the one. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it's very yeah, sweet. Yeah, I laughed on yeah. Yeah, I laughed on Miss Terry walked up to me and the first thing she did was she pecked her lip and y'all were like, Oh yeah, the dip. Y'all took the dip out and what you know <laughs> yeah. But hey man, but I appreciate the way y'all represented while you were here and while y'all still representing today, man. Just God bless. It's always a pleasure on the question and answer day because you was really fun to be there. Good to have you there and everything else. I mean, just thanks for representing the university like you did and you still do. Oh, no problem. Man. I again I, I appreciate you telling that story and thanks for calling in, Dino. We really appreciate that. Right. Have a good one, man. Yes, sir, you too. Yeah, well, I want to make sure I get the name right, too. It's Dinon. I think I said Denon, but I, I didn't know how to pronounce it. But uh, what a great story. Let's continue on the phones at 205-342-9904. We go to Danny. Danny, welcome to Big Noon Sports. Danny? Danny apparently is gone. <laughs> Christian, what else do you have down there in Tuscaloosa? Here's one I want to just it's on my random notepad here. Um, Anthony Richardson is going to the NFL from Florida. Mm-hmm. Is he NFL ready? That's a great question. Um, I, I would say he definitely could have benefited by returning to school, getting another year of experience, you know, really kind of perfecting his craft. However, you know, there's there's two types of players that usually get drafted, right? You got guys who you know are, are just guys who are talented. You know they put in or they they put on paper some great stats. You know they have some great tape out there, and you know they're just you got those guys. The other guys are are potential guys, and potential guys are are these guys that uh, these scouts and GMs fall in love with based off their potential. I'm not saying that these guys don't put up great numbers as well, but the the biggest thing they have going for them is they have the measurables you know they 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 run a great 40 time you know the guy's 65 and um is 250 pounds and runs a, a 45 and they look at you as a project they're like hey if we can draft this guy he has everything uh that we could we could ever want at, for his position he has all the measurables he has elite size and speed and athleticism but if we could get him and work with him and craft him you know he could become man, you know, twice as good as a player. And I think that's kind of how these scouts view him. I read something that a guy was basically saying, I mean, this guy has elite potential and uh, it's just, he's, but he's, but he's, that's what he is. You know, he's, he's a, he's a craft, some, somebody that would come in and he might not necessarily be, you know, your starting quarterback right away and he might not lead you to the playoffs right away, but um, he has everything going for him. And if, if you could get the right coach to work with them, it could turn out being, um, a phenomenal investment. So I, I think that's the type of guy that they view him as. The problem with those guys is they can end up getting drafted very, very high, or sometimes they end up falling a lot. Um, and, and that's kind of the risk that these guys take instead of going back to school and, you know, maybe developing for another year. So I, I would say, you know, as a quarterback, um, he can get drafted by a team who can, you know, have they can afford letting him sit behind somebody and kind of develop. So I think he'll be fine in that manner. But he could be missing out on, you know, a lot of money if he were to just, you know, have gone back to school one more year and really solidified himself as a, you know, a top 15 or first round pick um, and not risk, you know, sliding. Because, again, there's a big difference between pick, being picked in the top 10 picks of the NFL draft and then being picked yeah. in the third round. And we're talking millions of dollars difference. 
Yeah, and, and you're hitting on my follow-up point. By the way, you explained that perfectly. Um, they're the guys that you see so much potential in that you're worth taking and nurturing for a couple of years, but you'll take him fifth overall in the draft. Right. I'll give you three pretty good examples here. Trey Lance, Jordan Love, and uh, Malik Willis. Yep. Um, but I don't see Anthony Richardson as a guy that's going to be that high. I think he's a third or a fourth round pick, and that's why I think you and I are both in total agreement here. Hang around Gainesville for another year. And by, by golly, right now with the quarterback's room in, at Florida – Billy Napier would love to have Anthony Richardson come back. He would. And, and Matt, I mean, let's just be realistic. With NIL, I mean, it wouldn't even really hurt his pockets to, to stay in school another year. True. I mean, he probably could make upwards of a million dollars in NIL revenue um, if he returned to school, which to me, I mean, that's plenty of money, you know, just to kind of stay in school for one more year plus. Um, you have the opportunity to graduate, get your degree. I could be mistaken. He might have already graduated, but if he hasn't, that would be another benefit of returning to school. And then most importantly, well, that's most important, but then the, the, the second most important thing is, again, if you return to school, you have a great year, then you're really solidifying yourself almost, so to speak, in that first-round conversation where, you know, it's okay if you go from, you know, top five to top ten or then drop to maybe 25th. Like that, you can live with that type of drop-off, but again, the risk you're taking if you come out if you're coming out early and people have you graded kind of all over the place. Some people have have you as a first round pick based off your potential. Others are just saying, yeah, you know, we just yeah, we're not really sold on this guy. We have him as a fourth round pick. There's too much, you know, too much variance in where you could be taken. And to me, I'd rather come back to school, get a little more security in my draft status instead of coming out early and kind of just leaving it in the hands of these GMs and scouts. What a great point because you're. He could possibly take a pay cut by going to the NFL if they've got enough NIL money. <laughs> right. Well, uh, we, we see what they're offering in Gainesville. I, I don't know if they're actually paying it, but they're at least offering $13 million to people at the quarterback amazing. position. So <laughs> I'm sure they'd give them a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. That's why um, I think the Miamis and the USC's, and I can name a few others, schools in Texas, uh, they're going to make hay while the sun shines, and um, they better because I think that they're going to put a clamp down on some of this NIL. Hey, when we get back, we're going to be uh, we're just going to turn it over to the Millers, uh, uh, Millers Edge. Uh, what I'm saying is that uh, Christian's dad, Corey Miller, nine-year NFL vet, will join us on the other side of this break. More Big Noon Sports coming up. At Julio Jones Kia and Mazda, we want to set the record straight. Yes, the University of Georgia won the national title, and congrats to Coach Kirby Smart. But tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 58. Saturday, clouds move in, a chance of rain by afternoon, the high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, the show worth getting up before noon for. Uh, Christian Miller, Lars is at class. Uh, as many of you know, he's on the faculty at the School of Journalism, 
School of Communications, University of Alabama. Matt Coulter here in the studios in Birmingham. And now joined by Corey Miller, who is Christian's dad and a nine-year NFL vet. Uh, Corey, it's Matt and the gang here. How are you today? Boys, I'm doing great. Been listening to you, enjoying the show, and uh, you're definitely worth getting up before noon. I've, I've been up for a few hours, and I'm, <laughs> I'm an hour uh, ahead of you. So, yeah, so definitely that's a pretty good slogan right there. Y'all might need to implement it to the show. I really like that. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to move on with that. I'm going to steal a question that Christian asked last, I mean, that uh, Lars asked last hour, and that's of uh, the eight teams remaining in the NFL playoffs. Let's just say, for instance, Corey, that you are the head coach of the Pageland Watermelons, and you are starting a new NFL franchise. Who would be your choice as quarterback? Well, if it's a patient watermelon, I got to go with the, the most countryest person there is that can handle, you know, being out there in that heat and that field loading those 18 wheeler trailers. So I don't know. I might have to change my, you know, my direction there. And that probably would be uh, Mr. Purdy. You know, I would probably go with him. He seems yeah. more suited to work in the watermelon field and do it the hard way. But that being said, uh, you know, if I got, you know, billion dollar organization, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Uh, just based on the fact that what I've seen, his uh, ability to uh, make all the throws, his ability to, ability to extend plays and make these majestical throws that are unscheduled. Um, he's won a Super Bowl already. He's consistently in the playoffs, dominates the AFC. I know Joe Burrow uh, has beaten him, what, two or three times. But still, uh, he's uh, been an MVP, uh, probably going to be the MVP this season because Jalen uh, with the injury, but uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is at another level in my opinion. I like Joe Burrow. I love his toughness and you know his ability to want to win. We've seen that at LSU and three years he's been in the National Football League. But man, Patrick Mahomes, he goes in the category of special. I mean, and if he stays healthy, he's going to shatter every passing, uh, you know, touchdowns, yards per game, total yards. He's going to shatter shatter every record. So. It's Patrick Mahomes all day, every day, twice on Sunday. Yeah, that's exactly who I went with, and I, I figured you'd have a similar answer. I know you're a big fan of his. Speaking of, of Mahomes and, and Joe Burrow and those guys, kind of give us your, your, your playoff picture, uh, kind of what you see from the playoffs moving forward. Um, maybe, you know, break a couple of those games or those teams down. Just kind of put in perspective for those listening what they can expect um, this upcoming weekend in the NFL and the playoffs. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, the playoff guys have been phenomenal. I mean, I've enjoyed, I thoroughly have enjoyed watching all of these games. Been close, nail biters, crazy comfort behind games. Um, you know, Jacksonville probably the biggest story. Nobody would have expected this team to be in the playoffs, uh, making it for one, winning a playoff game in the fashion in which they did. Trevor launched four interceptions the first half, comes back and throws four touchdowns. I believe the second half was amazing. Uh, so they move on, uh, although they're going to play my homeboy. Shannon Sharp calls him Patrick, my homeboy. That's their season, as I told Christian on the middle's edge of the night. His, their season coming to an end. So he can spend a lot of time at the Waffle House after this weekend. He can go every day if he wants to. That's Trevor Lawrence to eat at the Waffle House because he'll be on the, the playoff couch. Um, <laughs> the game that I'm really intrigued by is uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, how they played 
all the pressure Dak Prescott had on his back. They haven't won a road playoff game in 30 years, and, and they go down there and face Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot of people didn't think they could win just based on history, but, but they played great. Dak Prescott was phenomenal. Uh, you know, they heard all the, the noise about Dallas can't win on the road. Uh, Dak Prescott is a turnover machine, the interceptions. You know, we heard all of that based on they got beat by the Washington Commanders the week before, but they went on and put on the show. But now they got to go on the road, short week. When you go on the West Coast, normally the team leaves uh, two days early uh, to get out there to get acclimated to the time. Uh, they played on Monday night, so it's going to be a short week. So it'll be very interesting to see how they play against a very good team. I know they're playing, again, Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback, has been phenomenal. He can move around, as Skyler Chris said, you know, but Tom Brady is being a sitting duck. Well, he's not that. He, he, he definitely is great at all scheduled plays. They got Christian McCaffrey. They got Debo Sammy, who they play in the backfield as well, uh, who calls uh, I mean, nightmare matchup for defense. So, uh, listen, uh, I like this game, this matchup. I think San Francisco is going to win being at home. And I know the rookie quarterback, but their defense, man, uh, <laughs> Ryan is doing a great job with this defense. They come after you, Bosa, uh, that pass rush up the middle. They got a secondary that's stingy back there. The linebackers are, are running hit all day. So I like San Francisco uh, to win this game because of this for the record. I cannot stand Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry if you listen, you're a Cowboy fan, but the fan base just makes you just dislike them. It just, they because they just get way over the top when they win the game, but you can't hear from them, you know, when they lose the game. So I'm hoping that they will enter the playoff counts. Now, the one I want to talk about, how about the New York football Giants? How about Daniel Jones? Yes, sir. I'm telling you right now, Daniel Jones, the best game I've ever seen him play since he left Duke. Uh, Saquon Barkley is phenomenal. The defense did what they needed to do, coming up with big plays. uh, You know, Dexter Lawrence up the middle, the only Lawrence that went to Clemson that I like. That's Dexter Lawrence. I mean, all pro. He's making a difference uh, up the middle. I like this Giants football team on the road. I talked to uh, my teammate who's a coach on this on this team now. I've been communicating with them. This team is on fire. They're confident. Watch out for the upset. Y'all know, and I know Christian, know how much I love Jalen Hurts, man. His dad, man, his dad, for, for however many years he was in Alabama, that was my hangout buddy, right? And, and we, we tight. But the G-Men is coming to town. Uh, to do some damage. I'm picking this one to be an upset. I think the Giants will beat Philadelphia. Uh, I'm telling you right now, Jalen, I don't know about the shoulder. Uh, sometimes when you get that week off, you don't you, you know, you know, don't play as well. So I'm taking the Giants. So those are my two big games. The Giants and 49ers will move on. Jacksonville, of course, will be on the playoff couch in the AFC. And we know Patrick, my homeboy, is going to take care of his business. And then Buffalo, I expect them to win at home. It's going to be cold, snow. Uh, Joe Burrow can take his turtleneck and go on back to Cincinnati and uh, WKRP <laughs> and uh, watch the playoffs on the, on the radio station. <laughs> I love you throwing KRP in there. That was my show when I was a kid. I love it, man. <laughs> um, hey, uh, what do you think? Uh, break break down Bengals and Bills. In the, I know you talked about quarterbacks a little bit there. But go ahead, if you don't mind, Corey, and just kind of pick these games for us. I'll, I'll throw them out there. Jaguars, Chiefs, I think I know where you're going there. Yeah, Kansas City on that. For, I think it'll be a two-touchdown plus win for All the right. Chiefs over the Jaguars. All right, you, get, um, the Buffalo, you gave us the a Giants in an upset. Game. 
Yeah, the Buffalo Cincinnati game. I like you know Josh Allen man and and, and Stephon Diggs is that combination and Gabe the big you know fifty fifty ball the best in the game. Uh, the running game seems to be picking up for Buffalo. Uh, the defense has been solid. I know they had some few injuries over there, but but I just like I mean, anytime I can tell you this when you get home field and being able to play a home game in the playoffs uh, when it's bad weather. You know, I know Cincinnati plays in cold weather, but it's different, man. I played in that stadium at Buffalo. It's a monster. I mean, I played there when it was freezing. I hated it. It's just a mindset thing. And and I just think this team, with all the the distractions and all the the stuff with, you know, with with Hamlin that's happened, it just seems like this team is going to pull through. So just, just on that alone, I'm picking Buffalo because I just think they're going to have a will just to win this game and try to get to the Super Bowl based on what has you know, happened the last game. Uh, a lot of memories. So it's going to be tough, obviously, because a lot of emotion is going to be in that game. So therefore, I like Buffalo uh, to come away with the win. Hey, Corey, can you hang through a break with us? Yeah, I can hang through 10 breaks. I'm, I'm bored. I ain't got nothing to do, bro. <laughs> so you got up before noon. All right, good. Uh, yes, sir. Another listener to the Big Noon Sports comes back in about three and a half minutes. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Did you know you can get your prescriptions for less at your local pharmacy? You can with GoodRx. It's the free app that can save you money on your medications. Just search for your prescription, choose the pharmacy. Hey, thanks for dialing us in. The Anderson Gadsden area here in Birmingham and also in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. I appreciate you doing that. Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller and his pops. That's uh, Corey Miller, nine-time NFL veteran, and he is joining us. Hey, you mentioned something a minute ago, Corey, uh, about how difficult it is to play at Orchard Park, uh, home of the Buffalo Bills. Where? What was another stadium that was really, really difficult? And where did you really, really like to go? Man, I was listening to Trevor Lawrence uh, talk about, you know, the, you know, he was asking about the crowd noise at uh, Kansas City. And he's like, well, you know, it's kind of like what, probably the same thing, you know, as it is here at Jacksonville. And I'm like, are you crazy? I mean, obviously <laughs> you've never been to Arrowhead Stadium. That place is so loud. I mean, it's going to be 78, 80,000. I mean, it is like the ultimate college atmosphere. And going there, brother, I'm telling you right now, it's cold and it's loud. You see smoke coming out of people's mouths because it's so cold. I mean, brother, you can't hear. So Trevor Lawrence got a got a you know wake-up call coming to him because that's nothing like Jacksonville. I mean, Duval, I mean, you know, that's all good. But y'all got about 50,000 down there, 52,000. When you get to that 80,000, these fans are crazy. They love the Chiefs. That was one of my, my favorite places to go play just because it mimicked a college atmosphere, just like Green Bay, you know, Lambeau Field, yeah. that place. You know, a, a smaller crowd, but the bowl, I mean, they like right on top of you, and they are loud. I mean, 
Uh, but it's a fun place to go on the road and play. And Buffalo kind of mimics that as well. You know, Giant Stadium, we got like a bunch of people. It's huge. Like I was just up there for the, Cow- the first Cowboy game, and they brought us the legends back. And uh, it was an awesome stadium, but it's almost too big where, you know, the, you don't get that same kind of loud because they're kind of far back from the field. Beautiful stadium, but you don't get that college atmosphere, man. Just you know, I'm I'm a bigger fan of college football just because I lo- I think the fans are amazing, and you know they tailgate and they barbecuing and you know they're doing their thing. You got the band, you got the music. You don't see that part in the National Football League, but I can tell you this: Kansas City is loud. Green Bay is loud, and uh, some of these other stadiums, a lot of people, but they don't have that same college feel, that same atmosphere. I want to ask you a quick coaching question. You know, we just uh, heard the news that Byron Leftwich would be fired uh, as offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. just want to ask you, what is your thoughts on the landscape of coaching? Do you feel like we're firing coaches prematurely? You know, I feel like it's a, a common theme. You know, a guy will, you know, be a part and contribute towards a championship team. And then a year or two later, if if it's not up to that standard, you know, they're, they're, they're giving them the door. You know, they're, 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 kicking, they're kicking them out. Um, I just, I just was wondering. Do you think we're firing coaches prematurely, and, and, and do you think um, that it's a problem that we have right now that they just they have to point the finger at somebody? They're just choosing these coordinators or head coaches, and they're not even really getting a fair chance. Even if you look at you know Lovey Smith in, in Houston, I mean he was there what a year? Yeah, yeah. Well, they had back to back coaches that lasted a year in Houston. Uh, good luck, Bryce Young. Right? <laughs> good luck. <laughs> uh, what you going to get oh. yourself into? But listen. I, I had a rant about this whole thing just on my Twitter. And, you know, me and many other former NFL guys in the media brought this point up. Listen, Byron Leftwich, just a couple of years ago, won a Super Bowl. Calling plays with Tom Brady to go. So now all of a sudden, he don't know how to call plays, and he gets fired. This one bothers me, and then I deal with the elephant in the room, and then I deal with the race issue with coaches because I think black coaches – they have a shorter leash. It's proven. They don't have the opportunity to sit there and and, and struggle through some things and, and make it right. They get they get cut pretty quickly. And, and this is a situation where Tom Brady played horrible. Guys, let's just be honest. I mean, he's a GOAT. Nothing's going to change that. Whether he win another Super Bowl or not, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play that position. He's going to be that. But to put the blame on Byron Leffert, he becomes a scapegoat for how bad his offense was. They scored 20-plus points, over more than that, like twice. Their receivers was in flux. They got guys coming off injury. Julio Jones, they brought in, was was not Julio Jones. They had no running game. And by the way, they lost the offensive line. They lost the center in training camp, and then they lost guys at protection. And when they won the Super Bowl, the offensive line was the glue. Tom Brady can still play. He can still sling it. He's smart, but if he don't have protection, if he don't have the five big butts, I call those guys, big butts in the front, that can keep people off of him, he's going to struggle because he can't improvise. We talk about, you know, Purdy and, and Josh Allen and, and even Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. These guys can escape pressure. These guys can play off schedule. They can make things happen when things break down. Tom Brady can't. This was horrible. So how could you look at a guy like that and say, okay, we got to blame somebody? Well, what do they do? They look at the coach. They've been already calling for his head, too. 
and look at the other. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to pay a price because we got to go. Tom Brady, but the goat was horrible. This was his worst year maybe since his rookie season. And I think Tom would tell you that. It wasn't a play calling. And I heard somebody say, well, Dan Olosky said, well, they don't do any of the new stuff, the, you know, the RPOs and the, the things we see Jalen Hurts. They don't have that kind of quarterback. You can't. Tom Brady's a pro-style quarterback. <laughs> I mean, what do you want him to do, run RPOs and, and zone reads with Tom Brady? No. They are used to having him protected, and he gets back at his spot, he scans the field, and he dissects you, right? <clears throat> he looks outside, and then he'll go to the middle. That's the problem, guys, I have. I just think, you know, you know, not to bring up this stuff, but it's real, and you mentioned Lovey Smith, the coach before him, one year and they're out. I mean, you get a guy who just won a Super Bowl and he's out, and we've seen, like, blow-ups with San Diego, excuse me, Los, Los Angeles had, the Chargers, against Jacksonville. I mean, they did fire their, their, their offensive coach, and I believe the quarterback coach. So, yeah, even uh, we've seen this. The patience wears thin these days for everybody. But I, I just wish that my hope is that African-American coaches will, will have a little bit more time to to to, to, to you know, get things right. It just that sometimes the triggers pull too quick. That's not every organization, but unfortunately some organizations in the National Football League. I want to follow up on Tom Brady, and, and let me just get get this out. If, if he ran an RPO or a zone read, he would get killed, and he wouldn't play another snap. So whoever, whoever uh, recommended that, just the clearly, thought of that. clearly don't like Tom Brady because if <laughs> – yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever see him uh, run that. But no. I want to ask you about him and also Aaron Rodgers. Where do we see those guys playing next year if they do play? Uh, so I guess I'll ask you that first. Do we see both those guys return uh, to the NFL next season? And if we do, where do we see both of those guys playing, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? I think we see uh, Tom Brady and more chance for him playing than Aaron Rodgers. I really do. Because I think Tom Brady's going to move wow. on. Uh, maybe that's why they, they fired the OC. You know, maybe they're just going to blow everything up and go – in a total new direction. Um, but Tom Brady, I think it's going to be the Raiders. I, I just think Tom Brady, uh, with Josh McDaniels out there, they got Devontae Adams. You know, if they can re-sign Josh uh, at the running back position, I mean, they got the, their wall, you know, the Darren Wall and the tight end. I mean, they got Hunter Renfro, possession guy who looks like Wes Welker, uh, Julius Edelman. You know, he mimics that. They got to can get in there and, and, and mix it up, run great short intermediate routes. They got all that. Now, the offensive line is not great, so you would have to uh, definitely sure that up. So I like Tom Brady going to, to, to Vegas and being with Josh Allen. Who knows what the heck Aaron Rodgers is going to do? I, I mean, I don't know. Was he going back to that country and take some more of them hallucination drugs? And, and who knows? <laughs> I, I mean, this dude, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is about crazy. I mean, the dude, his hair's all weird. Uh, I mean, his eyes, I mean, he just. He just like he just goes and says weird stuff. I mean, I, I love. I played in the golf with BMW in Greenville, South Carolina, and we hung out backstage at the concert. You know, normal. But what happened to Danica Patrick? And Matt, I know you're a NASCAR guy. Did him dating Danica Patrick mess the man brain up? The guy he needs to loosen up. Uh, she could screw it up. <laughs> 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 oh. oh Lord! I'm uh, at a uh, event that we do with Denny Hamlin. It's called Pro Am Jam here in Charleston, Daniel Island, South Carolina. So I'm 
I'm friends with a lot of the NASCAR guys and, and uh, met her one year. But yeah, she's a, she's a piece of work. She's a little different, but I think she messed yeah. my boy up because he was normal, and then all of a sudden he's got to go do all this stuff hallucinating, and you know, and then now he's weird. I mean, I, I just don't know if he plays. I think he comes back to Green Bay will make the most sense. Um, but, you know, I don't think people want to deal with him because he's just hard to deal with right now. Uh, you heard it here first on Big Noon Sports. The combination of Patrick and Peyote has ruined the career of one Aaron Rodgers. Uh, hey, when, as we go out here, I want to ask both of y'all, because, you, Corey, you just mentioned this guy, and, and he's like number one with a, with a bullet as far as uh, NFL coaches are concerned. Where will D'Amico Ryans end up? Quick answers. I'll start with you, Corey. I hope he ends up in Carolina with the Panthers. I think he would be great. I think he'd be great there, too. I, I don't know which club, but I definitely think he sticks in the NFL. I know a lot of people in Tuscaloosa would love to have him here. It'd be a home run hire as a, def- a defense coordinator. But, uh, no, I think D'Amico Ryan sticks in the NFL. Not sure which club, but he's definitely going to be a hell of a head coach. It says here on uh, a Twitter I found somewhere that uh, D'Amico will interview with Houston. Well, maybe he ends up there with Bryce. Who knows? Hey, Corey. Have a great weekend. Thank you for uh, being with us as always. I was said no. He don't need to go there because they got the one year special going on. (laughs) (laughs) One and done. (laughs) Oh god. (laughs) Thanks, man. Talk to you next week. Hey, as we go out here. Uh, Christian, tell everybody about your podcast. Yeah, if you want to hear more from me and my dad, go uh, subscribe and check out our YouTube channel at The Miller's Edge, where we talk more football, kind of an extension from our show here at Big Noon Sports. So go give it a follow and subscribe, uh, subscribe there at uh, The Miller's Edge on YouTube. When we get back, we'll wrap up this edition of Big Noon Sports and answer the question What's the biggest myth in football? Peyton Manning answered it, and we will too in just a moment. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Experience a level of performance you've never seen in a tournament bass boat until now. In your new Camus Bass Boat powered by Mercury. From Boatworks in Northport. Tomorrow a good supply of sunshine, the high 58. Saturday clouds move in, a chance of rain by afternoon, the high 57. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I don't know which version of Monday Night Football you watch, just the uh, general over-the-air broadcast, or if you um, watch the Mannings. Uh, I flip around, but I find myself more often than not watching the Mannings. And I don't know if you saw this or not, Christian, but Peyton Manning said during the broadcast earlier this week that the biggest myth in football is making adjustments at halftime. Uh, 
one of his quotes was quite funny. He said, you go in, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges, and then the head coach says, all right, let's go. He said, it seems like you're only in there for about three minutes. Now, that's an offensive side. Did y'all make significant adjustments when – on defense when you were in the locker room at halftime? Yeah, we did. So I don't I don't know if I can agree with him on that one. Now, I will say it does fly by. Um, and are they, you know, complex adjustments where we're, you know, we're restarting and, you know, reissuing our whole defensive playbook out? And <laughs> No, we're not doing that. But, um, look, I'll give you a quick example. You know, say um, they're coming out in a certain formation that's really giving us problems. And we need to find – and the way we prepped during the week – um, is not um, being a you know it's not as effective as we thought, or they're coming out in something different that we've never seen before. You know, in the locker room we'll have this like what is it called the uh, projector type thing where you can draw on it and it, you know shows on on the on the whiteboard. So they'll they'll put those slides up there and, and the coach will be drawing like a dry erase marker real quick because again you are time we only have about you know I don't know it feels like what's five minutes maybe like ten or ten plus but. Anyway, well, they'll, they'll pick like the, a few of the main plays that were really giving us fits and we'll adjust to kind of how we play it. So an example would be if we were playing um, inside out type coverage on, on it, just like you heard Coach Saban, matter of fact, you know, when, when he said against Texas A&M, they were playing that, that, that two-point play one way. Then at the end of the game, they changed it. They're, they changed their leverage. Those are the type of adjustments that they can make in real time, like in the locker room. You can also do it on the sideline, but those are the type of adjustments that you'll see. We might go from saying, hey, um, we've been playing it this way where the corner is going to take this guy, but now we want uh, the safety to take him because it, it, you know, we're not as exposed against the run. Does that make sense? So th- we defensively... Yeah, it makes very good sense. Yeah, defensively, we definitely make those types of adjustments. At Alabama, we definitely did. In the NFL, we made some. It wasn't quite as extensive, I felt, as we did in Alabama, at Alabama with you know, Coach Saban and then when we had Kirby and, and Coach Pruitt, but... Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I can't really speak for them as much. I can hear a little bit, but I'm so locked in on you know getting my adjustment that I don't necessarily hear exactly what they're doing. I'm sure they are making some some adjustments as well, though. They might want to change up the way they're blocking. They might see some pressures, and they're having trouble blocking a pressure. The the offensive line might adjust to how they, they pass guys off or how they're sliding protection. So I don't know why he would say that because I would think as smart as he is and as much time as he's played football, you would think, I mean – Hell, he's the one making all the audibles and stuff. He, you would think that he would yeah. be involved in that kind of stuff in the locker room, but maybe not. I guess not, according to this. But um, or maybe he because was I was sarcastic. thinking through this, was he being sarcastic? Almost like I, it goes by so fast you know, that it's it's almost pointless. Or maybe I don't know. He said, uh, "Let's see." Uh, I didn't hear it myself. Okay, I'm only reading the quotes. Okay, but he said at one point. Uh, halftime's too short to change anything substantial. Okay, that does qualify his quote just a little bit. Yeah, that you, there were changes, but not substantial. Yeah, like you but, can't uh, change the other your whole thought, playbook at halftime. Yeah, I mean, I get what he's saying there, right. but, but to me, those halftime adjustments are crucial, especially when you're going against um, an opponent who, again, uh, for instance, like. This past season, you know, the way Tennessee was really, um, you know, exposing our secondary with the, with those um, those deep balls there, you know, hitting Jalen Hyatt with, the, like stuff like that. That's critical when you go in at halftime to make adjustments, and that that's the time you do it. So, uh, I, I would argue. I mean, even if it is 
um, you know, very short and you can only get in so much. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's vital that you make them because it, it can really change the outcome and the trajectory of the game. Because, I mean, I feel like the times that we were doing it, um, there'd be times, you know, we'd go into halftime at Alabama and the game would either be really close or we might be down, you know, a field goal or a touchdown. And I feel like if we didn't make those adjustments, we might not have won, ended up winning that game. So I feel a little bit differently wow. than Peyton. Well, uh, I thought candidly when I was reading this, well, maybe they didn't make a lot of adjustments because most, most of the time when Peyton Manning was quarterbacking any team, they were winning. So maybe they, they didn't have to make the adjustments. <laughs> yeah. I, I will ask you this, though. Um, he mentioned eating a couple oranges. I certainly understand that. Uh, did you uh, – I know you would hydrate. Was Did you grab a piece of fruit or anything like that? Uh, we actually had, uh, have you ever had those uncrustable peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? They come in a, in the box, you know, that you normally keep them in the fridge or freezer, big pack of them. Well, anyway, um, Miss Amy Bragg, you know, our nutritionist, she would always have those in the locker room. We'd always have, um, you know, these packets called right stuff, which is like just a packet of just straight sodium salt. I mean, it's the most sour and intense packet of, 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 of fluid you can ever drink, but um, it's really good for um, preventing and stopping cramps. So I might end up uh, taking one of those. We have pickles in there. Um, just small stuff like that just to kind of put in your stomach if you need it. Now, did she make these sandwiches or is there a brand name? Oh, no. Uncrustables is the brand. Uh, it's it's a, popular, okay. a popular snack. Your grandkids might might know about them. They were a big favorite of a lot of people, you know, as, as kids. But, oh, beef jerky is another one. Quick little, you know, healthy snacks to kind of give you a little bit of fuel if you need it. All right, you got to find these. Did you say uncrustables? Yes, sir. Hey, Matt, I'm telling you, they're addicting, okay. man. You, you, because there's different sizes. So there, there's really big ones, um, but there's also the, the, the smaller versions, the smaller ones, man. I swear, you just eat them in like three bites, and you always want to get another one, but. Matt, I'm telling you, you're going to get hooked. When we're and, saying Little Debbie, we're not comparing as far as inside of them. We're comparing size-wise, but they're just like PB&J or like Christian saying, you can get different flavors. But think of well, Little Debbie, how you can take them on the go, and they're just little pouches. Yeah, that's a, yeah, wow. it's like a, a Little Debbie peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So that's a pretty okay, good Okay, do I find it like in the refrigerated section at Publix? Yeah, where where yeah, are they? Yeah. I'm, going to go, I'm going to sit with my grandkids tonight. I'm going to take them some. Yeah, you just go in the, the maybe it might be the freezer section or refrigerator section. You'll see them. Normally they they have the, the purple box for the grape and the and the, the red box for strawberry, but trust me, they're called uncrustables. I hope they give us a little oh, brand deal because we really are pushing them right now. <laughs> you know what, um, Christian? I've been doing this a long, long time, and this is the first show I've ever done where not once but twice we did a deep dive into sandwiches. We did the grilled cheese. Now we're doing the PB&J. Maybe so, we just need to be some food critics. <laughs> turn, <laughs> turn into a food critic show. Oh, well, I could give you the unhealthy side, and you could give us the healthy side. There All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Aiden. Thank you, Josh. Have a great day. Enjoy the weather. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing